Hey, Marie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm in the thick of preparing for uh, the book launch. So right now I'm kind of I'm doing a lot of outreach to other influencer type friends that I know kind of in the ADHD space, um, hoping to get some books in their hands and kind of working that angle. And so it's sort of related with I know Llama Life just made a change with their affiliate program, which we're going to talk about today. And just sort of the whole world of like affiliate and like partnering and all that stuff. Why don't we go into the change of Llama Life and sort of unpack it from there? Yeah, cool. That makes sense. It's kind of like, yeah, how do you how do you work with other people to kind of get mutual benefit or like a win-win kind of situation, right? Right, right. Yeah. And it kind of seems like, yeah, you're doing that with your book. You're kind of working with like your launch team and other people. And we've been trying to do that as well with our affiliate program, which we just canceled it's going to be canceled in about a week and a half. So we've let all our affiliates know that we're not continuing this this program anymore. I thought it might be interesting to talk about because I see a lot of people trying to start affiliate programs. And every time I post about an affiliate program, which I haven't for a while, but every time I do, everyone's like, oh, can you share? Like, how did you do it? Like, what's the deal? Like, what are you offering? How do you manage it and stuff? Mm. I, I think off the bat would say it could work. Like it really depends on your product and the price of your product and how much you offer an affiliate. It just doesn't work in our particular case. Maybe we go right back. Like what's an affiliate program, right? An affiliate program is just <laughs> something where you offer other people a commission to help promote your brand. So say we're working together, you're in our affiliate program. Which I was. Which you were. Yeah. And <laughs> you kind of helped give us some feedback too and sort of confirmed like why it wasn't working for us. Mm -hmm. But basically we go, hey, Jesse, can you help promote Llama Life? Obviously, we want you to be a supporter of the product and genuinely liking the product as well. But we go, hey, you know, if you like our product, you want to help promote it for us. And then you, you will say, yeah, cool, let's do it. And we might give you like a discount code or something that you can give to your audience. And then you might put us in your newsletter. So we mm -hmm. reach your audience and then we go, okay, anyone who uses Jesse's code will get their coupon code discount, but we will also give Jesse like 20%. Whatever the number you want to give, you can give. We did 20%, which is not that much because our product isn't priced that highly. Right. So for a context, like an annual plan is $39. So Jesse would get like... 20% of that if somebody bought using his code or they didn't use the code, but they came through you. So maybe they clicked on a link in your newsletter for Llama Life. And we know that we can see it came from you. So even if the customer as a, doesn't- As opposed to using the coupon code. As opposed to the code. So there's two no. ways we know it's from you. One is they actually use the code. Another is maybe they didn't use the code. Like maybe they just completely forgot but you still get that 20% credit because we know they came through your link. And the way we know that is we you use like a platform. So we use something called First Promoter, but there's many different ones. We just picked First Promoter. It was okay. I think it could be improved, but it, it did the basic stuff which we needed, which was tracking those links and managing like, who do we owe money to? Like how much do we owe Jesse this month? And we can also see like how many times people use the coupon, et cetera. That all worked fine. Like our setup worked fine. Everything came through as it should. Like we could see everything was working. It just wasn't worth it because <laughs> a lot of people are excited to become an affiliate because it doesn't seem like there's any downside, right? Like I'll promote your product. If I get people coming through, I'll get paid. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say just for some of the like content creator side of things, mm-hmm. before I'd moved to Substack. So now that I've, I've moved to Substack at the beginning of the year and I have like a paid version of the newsletter, when I made that move, I stopped doing any sort of sponsored affiliate mm-hmm. anything. So I don't do any any ads or whatever in my newsletter now other than me just like personally, like sometimes I'll mention like a pers- a friend's product or something like that but I don't, I don't have like an advertising spot anymore. But I before I moved to Substack, I have a big list, like, you know, it's up to like 60 something thousand now, which, so when I was with ConvertKit, it was very expensive to just like maintain. I think I was paying like more than $400 a month just to like have that list with ConvertKit and have the ability to send out, you know, weekly emails. And so because of that, like I was trying to come up with like a sponsor every week, someone that I could put in there, like you're saying, kind of have the mutual, like find somebody that makes sense for the audience so that it doesn't feel like an ad, but it feels more like, hey, this is something that can help support the newsletter, but it's also useful to you. Like hopefully mm-hmm, it's something it's that's going to help people out. Yeah, it's relevant. Yeah. But I think it's tricky for a content creator navigating that space. Like I'll just, I'll speak for me, like figuring out like deals, like, hey, pay X amount of dollars and I'll post it there's a lot more to navigate there because then the person buying the ad wants to know like, well, what's the click-through rate going to be? Yeah, yeah. Like how much is this worth to me and how much is it worth to you? And so there's all that like negotiation sort of stuff that to figure out. So on like the surface, it seems like, oh, well, an affiliate program makes that so much easier because you don't have, there's no negotiating terms or anything. I just do the link to whatever product it is. And I'll get and then passive whoever, income. <laughs> yeah. And then whoever signs up for it, pays for it, then it like it feels like a lot lower risk. Mm-hmm. But the result of it often is like they're just <laughs> I don't know the best way to say it. It, it feels like a, a dream that never quite works out. Like it just feels like it isn't as good for the brand because I can't I don't really I'm not partnering with them at all. So I'm not like planning content around like, oh, yeah. this is a campaign or anything like that. So I'm just sort of like tossing this link in there. And then the flip side is like the conversion amount is pretty small compared to like doing a brand deal. Yep. And so it just feels like no one's really winning. And so, cause like your, what, what's the, uh, I can't remember the monthly rate for Llama Life. Six bucks. Six bucks, yeah. So I was getting like 20% of six six bucks, bucks, which is not very much money. Exactly. I think that's a really good point. So it's basically, it it does feel like a dream that's never realized, but that's partly because our price point. And I know we were up against other brands which were offering like a lot more commission. And if they're, you know, obviously as a, from the creator side, if someone's offering you like, you know, five or six times that commission, that's the one that you're going to put in the newsletter or or whatever reaches your audience. So that was kind of one factor. Like there's another app that I won't name that was in the space, but they were given like a hundred dollars for yeah, a yeah, single exactly. conversion. Yeah, we and obviously they're like that. a VC backed company that's got yeah. like a lot of money. Like they're just like growth, like where they're just seeking massive growth. So they were mm-hmm. paying this really large affiliate amount. And I used them a couple of times and then I started hearing from people that were like, I tried this product and it was awful. Like it yeah, was just yeah. like, didn't really work for a lot of people. So that's where, and then I had this like conflict of like, do I use this? Because it's like yeah. supporting the newsletter so that I can keep doing the newsletter. And I, yeah, it was kind of a mess. So I ended up not doing that. I'm so much happier 
this year, just like leave the affiliate programs in the past. And yeah. I totally get what you mean. It's, it's kind of, you want to protect your audience as a creator as well. Like that's for sure. Your job as a creator is to provide value and the value can come through your newsletter or maybe some deals like hot deals that you found that are relevant. But if they're not relevant, like you, you just, you can't put them in. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, people will start to say like, this is not, not for me. Like, what are you doing? Kind of thing. So that's one angle is like the relevancy for the creator. And then also the price is sort of not worth it if it's too little. Then what happens like from the brand side, like we had all these affiliates and obviously those affiliates weren't getting a ton of value. So they weren't really promoting us, but there were still a couple of payments coming through. And that causes like such an administration headache because I'm setting up like wire transfers for like five bucks a month, <laughs> you know, seven bucks a month. And there's, yeah. there's one affiliate we have who I guess hasn't had much luck with it their payout is less than five bucks and I can't pay them because my bank won't let me do it for a wire mm-hmm. transfer for that amount. But I'm still getting, you know, the IBAN number, um, all, those, all the banking, the routing numbers, setting them up. We don't have the information to set them up. Can you go back to them and get their address? Can you get their business number? Can you get their official business name? We need their contact number. And we were spending so much time setting up all these for, affiliates for five bucks. For five bucks. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. this is so not worth it. Yeah, so we were just like, this is such an admin headache. And is it actually building any genuine relationships? Because it feels very transactional. And we Mm. want to build real relationships to partner with people long term, not these sort of shorter transactional things where we set up a deal and then we leave it Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't work. And then neither side is putting in effort and it just sits there. And then every month I have to go in and pay out these really tiny amounts to lots of different people. And you can sort of automate it but you've got to pay more for the platform that you're using to automate it. But then everybody's different. So some people want to get paid via PayPal. Some people are like, oh, here's my bank details for a wire. Some other people are like, can you use Wise? And I'm like, no, like I can't manage all these different things. It's, it's, it's not even worth it for us. Like if your time's valued at a hundred bucks an hour, I don't know, whatever you want to value it at. And I'm like setting up all these things to pay out these tiny amounts. I'm like, I just wasted a hundred, like hundreds of bucks just doing <laughs> right. this thing, like half a day or whatever. Just, I, I don't know. It doesn't normally take half a day, but it wasn't worth it. I think that's something that too few people do that sort of like figuring out like, what is my hourly worth? Yeah. And I think it's really, really important to like figure that number out, at least a general idea. I, I remember very early on in my career, I was working as a graphic designer and I don't remember the exact issue I was having. Oh, I think it was like, I was trying to enlarge a graphic. There's a plugin that would do it really nicely, exactly what I needed to do. I needed to resize it in a way and have it like interpolate the graphics to look decent at a larger size. So I found the software that worked really great that could do it, but it was like 80 bucks. And I was like, oh my gosh, 80 bucks for that. So instead, I was like, I bet I can figure out how to do <laughs> what I need just with Photoshop, just by myself, just hacking away. I was like, you know, like 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I spent like, I don't know, like four or five hours, spent the whole afternoon working on it. And I got it and it looked great. It was done. Cool. And then I like gave it to my manager, whoever it was at the time. And or no, it was the other, like the lead graphic designer. And he asked, he's like, how long did you spend on that? And then he asked how much the plugin was that I didn't use. And he's like, you know, we bill out like $125 an hour for your time. 
<laughs> so I spent like $700 worth of billable hours yeah, to yeah. avoid spending like the $80 for a plugin. I felt really stupid at the time, like <laughs> having not made that calculation. But that's yeah, something yeah, yeah. that's really stuck with me. I, I think about that a lot. Like, because it's easy in the moment to think like maybe 25 bucks, that feels worth it. But if you actually know what your hourly worth mm -hmm. is, like what, like how much money or the opportunity cost of this, like what am I losing out on doing by spending 40 minutes dealing with this wire transfer yeah, yeah. and stuff what, like what that? What else can I be doing in that time? Or yeah. But on the surface, you look at it and you go, okay, so we were, we were paying, I think it was $49 or $59 or something for the platform to manage it. And if you look at it on the surface, you go, okay, I pay like say 59 bucks a month. But if I look at the numbers and they're very good at, in terms of presenting the, the information going, you paid us 59 bucks, but this month, this is all the revenue you, you brought in and it's more than 59 bucks. Right. <laughs> Even if you minus like all the commission and stuff, you look at it and you go, oh, I'm still ahead because I paid 59 bucks for this thing, but I got more revenue from that. But then you've got to think, well, I don't know, maybe I could have spent my time. You don't calculate the time you spend to manage the actual program, like reaching out to the affiliates, communicating to the affiliates, working out the deal, doing the payouts was something that I did not expect would take so much time, mm -hmm. but it's just all splintered because everyone wants their payout in a different way. And then, then you have to contact people going, I can't pay you this month because your payout is less than five bucks. And it's, it's all this sort of overhead that you don't think about. And then you go, well, it's not worth it. The other thing is it is open to a little bit of fraud, mm. not from the platform itself, but from people that you don't know well that might want to take advantage of the commission. And I'll give you an example. This didn't happen to us, but I've seen it happen to a lot of other people online. And what it is, if you have an affiliate program that you just put on your website and you go, we have an affiliate program, click here to join, and you don't vet these people, you can get into a lot of trouble. So we vet everyone, like we always will have a conversation with someone going, are you a good fit? But I see a lot of people just going, we have an affiliate program, just you can sign up. It's all automated, just sign up here, you get your code and you're good to go. Don't do that because what happens is like some people try and game the system and I got a friend who um, with his business, someone signed up, he didn't know them and then he started noticing like all these Google ads for his business showing up like in Google search. And he's like, I didn't set up any Google ads, but the affiliate, quote unquote, had gone and set up all these Google ads and they had worked out that they can spend X amount on Google ads, but because the commission for the affiliate program was quite high in this case, mm -hmm. they can make a profit. So they started spamming like all these Google ads. And, you know, obviously from a the brand's perspective, you can't control what that person is putting out there. Like you can't control the copy um, you can't right. control the images. Promising things promise. that are real. Yeah. Yeah. What if the promise was not even like what you offered, mm -hmm. your your brand's offering or features or whatever? You can't control that. And so then I started seeing a lot of people putting these terms and conditions, saying if you sign up for the affiliate program, you can't do this, this, and this. And some of that includes like you can't go and re-promote the brand on your own. Right. Right. But it's very hard to police that stuff. Like it's very hard to control that, and you're going to constantly be going like looking out for these random things that happen. And sometimes it's too late, you know, like sometimes that ad's been out there for a while and then you've got to deal with some customer who didn't get what they were owed or just the fact that somebody else is representing your brand. That's not right, you know, and you don't even know this person because it was all automated when you set it up. 
And I think there's a huge risk with that. Like it sort of seems appealing that it's all automated and yeah, sure. Someone else is going to do some work for me. But what if that person is like, well, I'm going to get something else to do the work for me. And then they just go and (laughs) set up all their random things. So yeah, I think it can work, but I think it needs to be a program that's like properly managed by somebody and your offer has to be good enough for the affiliate to want to continue because otherwise the affiliate's going to be whatever. I'll just put the link in occasionally. It's like some passive income, but it's not really enough to do anything. So I'm going to be like super low effort about it. And then over time it gets worse and worse and worse, but you're stuck managing a ton of different affiliates with very low payouts and all sorts of different requests like on how to pay out. And it's, we did it for about a year. So for context, we, we did, we did it about a year and then we're like, no, not worth it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like with Llama Life, you're really kind of taking the like focus is about saying no approach. There's that like famous uh, Steve Jobs. I think we might've talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. But there's yeah, that I think Steve you put it jo- in your newsletter too. Yeah. It was in my newsletter. Just like the focus is saying no. Where people think about it, it's like adding things. It's like, no, 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 you got to take all this stuff away. Yep. I love that you're really sort of doing that with Llama Life, like saying no to the affiliate program. Just like it's it's a headache. It's not adding enough to be worth the work it is. And this way we can focus on the things that are going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Like maybe some of the, those more proper partnerships where you're actually yes. working with people and figuring out. The relationships, out. not the transactions. Like to work with people who are excited about what we're doing and we're excited about what they're doing and it's really about helping each other and not just putting some link in it didn't feel quite right and we were also like a little bit gray on like what's the difference between a brand ambassador and an affiliate because I kept thinking these people that, that we're working with are brand ambassadors you know they're they're really for our brand but I think the people <laughs> those people were thinking I'm an affiliate and I'm just going to put a link in and I think we weren't really on the same page in terms yeah. of like we really thought it was something bigger but they kind of just thought it was a link and I totally get it because it has to be a win-win and it wasn't it wasn't like a it really became a lose-lose <laughs> if I'm honest <laughs> like and that's kind mm-hmm. of your your feedback to me as well was like it just sort of didn't seem worth it and yeah after a while you kind of just kind of forget about it you know but Again, like I'm stuck holding like all these little payouts. (laughs) Right. You know, every single person that has sort of just forgotten about it, but is getting like this, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks trickle in a month. I'm like, I still have to do all that. (laughs) Me paying someone out 500 bucks or paying them five bucks takes me the same amount of time. Right. Because I have Mm -hmm. to do the same process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yes, we are going through and we are like saying no to a bunch of stuff and taking things out. And I have more stuff I could talk about like that, but we are running out of time. And yeah, I want to hear a bit more about your book stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, I will say one interesting thing with the affiliate stuff is I I actually had somebody reach out and ask if I was going to have an affiliate program for my book, which no, I am definitely not uh, (laughs) for all the reasons we've talked about here, but also just like the margins for a book are so small. Like when I charge, like, I don't remember the exact number, but going through like KDP, which is Amazon's printer, $18 is like the retail price for the book. And I think I get like $6 out of that. So I get like a third of it because there's like the printing and then their cut. And then all just like all the things that are in there, like my take home royalty is, yeah, it's like six or $7, I think. Wait, 18 (laughs) bucks for the book and you get six, did you say? Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, that's that's hard. <laughs> and this is for um, physical book, right? This is for the page. So I, I get, Paperback. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's about, so the book the book is uh, $17.99 or, you know, $18 for the paperback. And then mm-hmm. it's $10 for the ebook. And I get about the same take home for both. It's about $6 mm-hmm. either way. Because of that, like the margins on that, like I do not want to be trying to pay somebody. I, I don't want to wire someone $5 because it wouldn't even be $5. I'd be dealing with like, you know, a percentage of, I don't know, it'd, it'd be a nightmare. But what I'm trying to do instead, kind of talking about like the relationships, I've been like reaching out to people that I know that I've built up relationships because we're kind of in this like ADHD, I hate the term influencer, but that's what it is. Like that's the term people use, like that influencer space, a content creator Mm -hmm. in the ADHD space. And just sort of like reaching out to people, no strings attached, but just sort of saying like, hey, my book's coming out soon and I'd love to send you an like an early copy. So I've been like kind of connecting with all these people that I know that I've, you know, I've shared their stuff before, mm-hmm. you know, I've been creating and sharing content for free for, you know, years now. And so I'm like almost just sort of asking like, hey, can you do me a favor now? Uh, because like we're, we're friends and I've helped you out in the past, that sort of thing without using that language. It's more just like, hey, do you want a free book? Like my book's coming out. I'd love to give you a copy. Yep. But with that, obviously kind of the hope is that I do that with a lot of people. And then on launch week a lot of people start talking about it. Like the goal for something like that is like, what I would love to see, I wanna see someone say something to the effect of like, fine, I'll buy your book. I've, I'm seeing it everywhere. Like, I'm gonna just get the book. Like, that is kind of the goal is like, they just like go to Instagram and everyone's posting about it. So that's sort of yep. um, my hope with that. Yeah, you kind of want like a big push, you don't, cause, cause if it's not big enough, then it doesn't actually break through and you end up spending a lot of effort, but it doesn't, quite like go over the line to break through and then it sort of feels like that effort's wasted right that's if you're doing it sort of little bits over time if you picture like little bumps on a graph but it doesn't break through enough whereas if you just do one massive effort so you you have a massive spike and everyone's talking about it at the same time and then that goes away maybe for a bit but then you do another big spike right you kind of want some ongoing stuff as well but the point is it has to be enough to break through yeah there's sort of this interesting because i I think a lot of people in the book industry like are over obsessed with like the launch, but Mm. there is definitely that like, especially the sort of thing where like somebody sharing like, Hey, you know, like posting a selfie, like them holding the book, like, like love this book. Like that's the sort of thing that you want everyone to be doing that at the same time. So it's just Mm -hmm. sort of this, like everywhere you look, you see it. But I'm also like, my marketing plan is not like a two week attack. It's like the two week attack, Plus the two years that follow. Definitely. And we kind of talked about that in the past. We with did, like yeah, having yeah. many launches and stuff like that. 100%. That's still the case. I, I think the only addition we're saying here is that it's got to be over time, but it still has to be enough to break through each time. Yes. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't. It's like a lot of effort, but it doesn't move the needle. So it just right. has to go over. And there's, I don't know what that line is, right? Because it's different for every business, but it just has to be enough that it's breaking through for you. And you'll know, like you'll know if it is or it isn't. Like, <laughs> right. Hopefully it'll be overwhelmingly obvious. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But definitely. yeah, like that's a that's a great point. Because like if, I, if one person like shares a selfie with the book and is like, hey, check it out. Like, I don't know, I might get a handful of sales from that, but nothing that's going to like move the needle. Mm-hmm. But like having that launch where it just feels like it's everywhere. That's a sort of like, I don't remember the number, but they say like, you know, you need to see something six times before most people actually like make a purchase, even if it's something they want. 
hundred percent. And you need social idea. proof and all of that. And right. yeah, because I used to work in advertising like many years ago when I was in corporate, like before I did Llama Life. And yeah, that's the thing. Like you have to, people need to see it multiple times. They need to see it from multiple platforms. They need to mm. hear about it from other people. They just need to feel like they're making the right choice. And there's many ways to convince someone about that. It's not just the ad. It's like all the other stuff, like these subtle things that add up over time to convince you to go, well, yeah, I think it's just, this thing's credible enough. Like so many other people are talking about it and I keep seeing it. I, I mean, I think I'm just going to buy it. Like, <laughs> right. There's so many different ways to, to convince people, but it's really just not like one ad and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, like it's all these little things. I feel like we are, as Llama Life, kind of benefiting from this concept now because we've been around a little bit longer. I would say, I mean, we've been around for a couple of years now. It's still very new, but I think because we've been around longer, like we're just seeing everything compound, like community effect compounding, just even things like SEO compounding because mm-hmm. we've just been around longer. I don't know. I think maybe half of the battle is just sticking it out. Like obviously you've got to have a product that's working and, you know, people love it and stuff like that. But half of it is just like staying alive and staying alive long enough because stuff will start to happen. Right. But then the question is like, is it, is it enough? Because mm-hmm. it'll always start to happen. Something will happen, but is it enough is like the big question. Yeah, I think that's, I think that compounding effect is really important, both for kind of an app like you're talking about where you, you're building up like kind of loyal users that then that mm-hmm. word of mouth starts to happen. That's the whole game with like books. Like you want a book to like, like books don't become like for the most part, don't become like overnight bestsellers. Like a lot of books come out and then hit a bestseller list like years later because then they've picked up and that word of mouth starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon they, you know, after a few years, they don't even have to advertise anymore. Like Rob Fitzpatrick, he has this book, The Mom Test, and he's shared his sales charts from it. And he basically, he marketed it like a whole bunch, like right at the very beginning. Like I think he gave away like 2000 free copies at like events he was speaking at or something. I, don't, I might have those details a little rough, but something like that right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then he basically kind of just sat back and that 2000 copies, enough of those people were recommending it to other people that it grew and grew and grew and grew. And now like, I believe that book itself has made like over a million dollars for him. And it's just oh, like wow. in every year it sells more than the year before without him really doing any sort of marketing for it. Wow. <laughs> Which is like, that's it. There's that like law with like, particularly with books, like every year that your book is like still around, still making sales, like then it becomes more likely for that to be the case the year after and the year after. Like you want it to just sort of like continue to grow and too many books like have a big launch and then sort of fizzle out. So I'm, I'm hoping to be the kind (laughs) that has that uh, long tail that grows and grows and grows. Um, But we'll see. It's so interesting. Like the the dynamic is so different because it's like a, I'm just comparing it. We always compare like the book to the, like a SaaS product, right? Like what's the differences? (laughs) Like the book is like a one-time payment. Unless I'm buying something else, like maybe a a new updated copy or a special edition, right? But in general, it's like a one-time payment. Mm -hmm. But then you have that thing and it's a physical thing sometimes. Could be the ebook, but sometimes it's a physical thing. But you don't have to maintain it. Like I have to maintain SaaS product and we have to do bug fixes. We have to, you know, every time we add a feature, it can create more bugs. And then 
like with the mobile app, like it's going to be different versions of iOS or Android coming out. We have to make sure it's compatible, but there's maintenance and then the storage fees and stuff. But the book, there's no maintenance. So even though it's like a lower price point, like you said, it just compound. It can, if it takes off, it can just keep compounding and compounding and you don't really have to do anything. Maybe I'm oversimplifying <laughs> it, but. Probably a little bit, but I get what you mean. Like there's not maintenance on, like the product is done. Like there's a whole lot of marketing and stuff I can do, but the product itself, like the base product is like, I'm not going to like a V2 of the ebook and the paperback. Cause like if that ever happens, it's years away. Like it's nothing I'm thinking about anytime in the near future. Uh, So it's definitely sort of a different animal that way. Um, It is funny speaking about that did make me think I've seen a lot of places that say the best way to market your book is to write another book. <laughs> and so that's what a lot a lot of people find. They write one book and then they write their second one and then the sales pick up for the first one. And then they yeah, write the yeah, third yeah. one and it picks up. And obviously that's even more the case like with fiction, but in nonfiction too, like I'm sure like Seth Godin, I'm sure every time he releases a new book, all of his old ones like start to pick up in sales sure, too because yeah. it kind of like refreshes people. Like, oh yeah, I, n- I never picked up his last one, uh, whatever it was, so. I do have kind of in the back of my mind, I haven't started anything yet, but I am sort of like starting to think about what could the next book be that would make sense? Just sort of like bouncing that around. In your case, it could also be like a software related product that connects to the book. Like it doesn't have to be another book, but it's just, it's basically like, what's the next offering from Jesse? You're kind of the brand. So it's like, what's the next offering? If it's a software product related to the same space, or maybe connected to the book in some way, that could still drive sales to the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a whole other book because it takes such a long time to write a book. <laughs> like, I feel like all the effort's like really upfront. I do have to say, I may have even said on this podcast, I've been telling people that it took me three years to write yeah, the book. Yeah, I saw that. And then I just recently went, I, I was like trying to like look up the original post where I announced that I was writing it. And it was only two years ago. So I somehow <laughs> made up time an extra year in the there. Win. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it did. Know. So it took me less time than I have been thinking, but still, it was, it was a long two years. Yeah. But yeah, we should uh, wrap it up. So yeah, I'll see you next week. Okay. See you next week. <laughs>